0: don't stand up we're not going back into the (laughs) into the music you know we've been in this series about transformation that we kicked off last week and transformation is one of those things that I don't really know exactly when it's happening because other people are probably going to notice it before I do other people are going to see that I'm changing other people that are going to see that I'm growing and I the whole time am probably wondering am I changing am I growing And I think that a lot of this starts with us taking the things that we're learning and putting them into practice so that we're not just being hearers of the word, but we're actually being doers of the word. A lot of us think that it has to be like this instantaneous thing where I just completely start doing all these new things and stop doing all these other things. Folks... I want to take some pressure off of us this morning, and I want us to just grow together by taking whatever God may be showing you through His Word today and put that thing into practice. You don't have to go from A to Z. Just take a step in the right direction. Just like last week when we taught on scripture and we talked about how we're transformed through scripture. My hope and my prayer through that message is that you took one or two things and you started applying that in your approach to scripture. Today, we're gonna talk about how prayer transforms us. And I want us to take that same idea. I'm gonna give you a lot of practical things about prayer and a lot of ideas on prayer. And hopefully, you'll be able to just take maybe a few of these things add them to your life and actually do them and put them into practice so we can see how prayer can continually transform us. And that's my hope and my desire for us. But prayer is vital in the life of a believer. It's one of those things that we talk about a whole lot and we know we should do, but we're often intimidated to actually put it into practice because some of us just quite frankly don't know where to start. We don't know what to say. Like, am I talking to God? Like, do I say things? Like, how does he want me to say it? Like, is there a right way to say it? It sure seems like the person who's on stage knows how to do it, but I don't know how to do it like they know how to do it. Where did they learn how to do that? Is there like a school for it? You know, all of these little hurdles that are in our way can become over time major obstacles that we never engage in prayer because we're too intimidated or we're clueless on where to start. And so my hope is that we can learn to grow through the awkwardness of prayer because those awkward moments can actually hinder us from growing in our relationship with Christ and our effectiveness as a church because prayer is vital. So here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna grow in effectiveness and being transformed through prayer. And we're gonna talk about how to pray effectively. We're gonna talk about the why behind prayer. And don't get nervous when I say this. We're going to learn to pray out loud today. Wow. And regularly so that we can grow. So let's just ask God to help us with this so we can start off a sermon on prayer with prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us to grow in it. Help us to hear it, God. And may it stir us to action. May it not just be something that we just gain some more knowledge on but may it be something that actually transforms us as we're transformed through applying prayer and being a church and a people of prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanna start off with the big idea today. A lot of times I kind of save those to the end, but today I'm gonna save that. So if you're the type of person that likes to take a picture of these or share these on social media or type them out, get ready, because here it is. If you like to use the hashtag BCC, big idea. Our big idea for today is we prioritize prayer. Because when we pray, we deepen our dependence on God. That is our big idea. We prioritize prayer as Christians because when we pray, we deepen our dependence on God. So what that means is that if I'm not prioritizing prayer in my life, then I'm not deepening my dependence on God. And I'm basically telling God, I've got this. I don't need you. Now, I know none of us would come outright and just tell God we don't need you. I don't think any of us would be that arrogant to take that type of a stance. But listen to me, there is pride and arrogance attached to us not having a life of prayer. Because when we're not praying, we are arrogantly taking the position of pride that says, God, I don't need to ask you about this, I've got this. Or when I don't pray, I'm saying, God, I don't need you because I can handle this situation or this thing. That's why I love the song we sang earlier, Great Are You, Lord. We declare it's your breath in our lungs. We're even giving God the credit for something that most of us don't think about throughout the day very much. We don't think about breathing, but we're giving him the credit that even the breath we're breathing, God, it's your breath in my lungs, so I'm pouring out my praise. Why? I'm pouring out my praise because you've actually given me the ability to pour out my praise because it's actually the breath that is from you that's filling my lungs right now that's causing me to even be alive. That is taking a statement that is true about God and a statement that is true about humanity and humbling our hearts. It humbles us when we recognize God, I even need you to breathe, right? That's a humbling statement because most people would say, I don't need God to breathe. And God's like, yes, you do. You need me even to breathe. The more that we acknowledge and declare our need for him, the more it begins to temper our hearts. It tempers the hardness in our hearts that can cause us To be people who are self-reliant, people who think that we somehow have got life figured out or thinking that maybe we've got this discipline figured out or this area of our life kind of, you know, wrapped up and tied up with a neat little bow. No, it's declaring God, even in the areas that I think I'm proficient, I need you. And God, I'm gonna give you all the credit and I need you, Lord. And the more I pray, the more regularly I pray, I'm deepening that dependence, I'm deepening that need and I'm saying, God, I need you in everything in my life. Prayer is a vehicle that God has sovereignly chosen to use to interact with his people. And I don't fully understand it and neither do you. We don't fully understand this prayer thing but yet we see all throughout scripture where his people prayed. We see all throughout scripture where people would cry out to the Lord. We see all throughout the New Testament and then the book of Acts, how the church regularly would get together and pray. As a matter of fact, the church was born and birthed in the upper room in a prayer meeting. It was a group of people who were meeting, the Holy Spirit falls, and we see they were up there praying and they were waiting. And so it's this idea of prayer that God has used to actually communicate and commune with his people. And listen, he cares about what you're praying for, amen? Like sometimes we feel like we're bothering God or we're going to God with the same things over and over. The scripture says that God cares about us so intimately that he knows the number of hair that's on our head. Isn't that amazing? So God knows me extremely well because I'm less complicated than some of you. He knows every hair on our head. Isn't that, why would you want to know that? Like, why would you want to know that information? What, what, what would that benefit someone to know? God knows. God knows that information. Scripture says that there's not, a, there's not a, a sparrow that falls that he's not aware of. That the lilies of the field are clothed daily by him, like, like, like in all their beauty and splendor. And then how much more should he care about you, you know? How much more valuable are you than even those? All these things that we see, the the, the intricate details, God cares about. So, can I tell you with great confidence that God cares about whatever it is that you may be coming to Him with, no matter how big or small it may be in your mind? And He not only cares, but He listens, He loves when we pray. It it actually moves his heart and it moves his hand. There are certain things in scripture that we see that God did not do until people actually engaged this muscle of prayer and would actually pray. We see there are things that God said, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? And pray And then turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. uh, then, Then I will come and heal their land. Right? He does this. It's a contingency. He's saying there are things that I'm actually wanting you to pray about and pray for. That I'm wanting you to trust in me. That I'm wanting you to acknowledge that I'm the one who's doing this. And that I'm asking you to step out in faith. Knowing that I am good, knowing that He's the God who hears, knowing that He's the God who cares. A lot of people get discouraged in their prayer life because maybe they're not seeing things happen as quickly as they'd like. Or maybe they're trying to figure out, maybe I'm doing it wrong because I'm not seeing things happen the way that I would like to see them happen. Folks, this is where we have to trust in the goodness of God and in the timing of God and know that we have to ultimately trust in the will of God. Amen? When Jesus taught us to pray, he said that we need to pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when I pray, I say, God, I want to pray according to your word. I want to pray according to your will. So God, if I'm praying outside of your will, show me. Because I want to make sure that I'm praying in line with what You, what's going to bring you glory, what's going to bring you honor. And we need to make sure that we're tempering our hearts in that way as we're deepening our dependence on him. There is something about a deep dependence on God that moves the heart and the hand of God. There's something about coming to the end of yourself where you've run out of options and you're powerless to do anything. And a lot of people who get placed in these life or death situations, even non-spiritual people will pray, right? Even people who don't even believe in God, all of a sudden when they're faced with a life or death situation, they all of a sudden become believers in God, all of a sudden in that moment. We saw this happen in the life story of Jonah when we read through that a few weeks back. Do you remember the sailors when the sea began to get uh, all sorts of tumultuous and we saw the waves uh, crashing and you know the, the wind's blowing, there's thunder and lightning everywhere and everybody's afraid and they're freaked out about this huge storm that's happening. And what did these pagan, non-God-fearing sailors begin to do? They started like trying everybody's God right? They started praying to any God that would listen because all of a sudden these people became very religious in that moment and they wanted something outside of themselves to save them because they realized they couldn't save themselves. They recognized how they were powerless in that moment to do anything about the situation they found themselves in. And I think it's very interesting that even non-believers can get to a place where they will cry out to some sort of higher power that they realize has to intervene To save them and they cannot save themselves. There are so many situations where people will do that but the people of God, the children of God, the followers of Christ should not have to wait until we get in a life or death situation to pray. Amen? Amen. We shouldn't have to wait until we get in a situation where we're actually depending on this life or death situation for God to bail us out and for him to save us or until you get that bad diagnosis or until you get that, that uh, uh, you know, there's more month left than there is money in the checking account or whatever. Then all of a sudden you, you start praying, right? We shouldn't wait till we just get to those moments when we pray. It is a privilege that we get to pray, amen? It is a privilege that we get to talk to the creator of the universe. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how weighty that is? That you and I get to talk to the creator of everything and he actually listens to us? I don't even know how that's possible. Because if more than two or three people are trying to talk to me at the same time, I'm like, one of y'all is going to have to stop. (laughs) But somehow, simultaneously, I can be speaking, someone can be speaking a completely different language and God hears all of it and cares about all of it. That does not make sense to me, but I'm not God, right? And he's hearing and he's caring And he responds and he moves in ways and he's working things behind the scenes that we don't even know about. And it's not about us getting everything how we want, when we want. It's about us trusting in him because when we pray, it deepens our dependence and strengthens our faith. Hebrews 11 and 6, the writer of Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible for us to please God. Without faith, it's impossible. So we have to have faith. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The fact that I am trusting in the Lord. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm acknowledging him in all my ways. I'm letting him direct my path. I'm trusting in him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because without faith, I'm saying, God, I'm good. I've got this. I'm doing pretty good by myself. And it's not always when things are going wrong that we need to reach out in prayer, amen? when things are going well, when they're not going well, and everything in between, that we're still deepening that dependence on God, and we're still acknowledging our need for him. And I love to start off times of prayer where I just begin to talk to God and just thank him. There's something about approaching God with humility and thankfulness, saying, God, you are bigger than me, and you are doing things and have done things that I can't even explain, and so I just wanna thank you for who you are and how big that you are. Just like we sang earlier, you're bigger than I thought you were. You're, you're so big, God. When I just thought I had this concept of how big you were, then something happens and, oh, wow, you're even bigger than that. Like you're, you're so much bigger and so much greater than I could ever think. And so because you're so big, Lord, I'm, I'm just humbled by the fact that you are so great and that I realize I need you. And I think that that type of a position of the heart of thankfulness, of gratefulness will help us when we approach God to realize who we're talking to and so that we understand he is all sufficient, amen? Prayer is admitting our inability to do anything of any significance without God. As they're saying, God, I, I, I'm, I'm unable to do this without you. I need you. Let's go over to Luke chapter 18. Let's look at a parable that Jesus shared. Luke chapter 18 I want to read these first eight verses, Luke 18, one through eight. Scripture says this, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, "'Though I neither fear God nor respect man, "'yet because this widow keeps bothering me, "'I will give her justice so she will not beat me, uh, beat me down "'by her continual coming.' "'And the Lord said, "'Hear what the unrighteous judge says, "'and will not God give justice to his elect "'who cry out to him day and night? "'Will he delay long over them? "'I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. "'Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes,' Will he find faith on the earth? There is some sort of link in prayer with persistence. And I don't fully understand it, but it's like a declaration of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. He even likens it to how much better is God than this unrighteous judge. God is the righteous judge who judges rightly, but even an unrighteous judge, if there was a widow who came to him over and over again, he's eventually going to give her what she's asking because he's, she, she's continually coming. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, and guess what? God is a righteous judge. And how much more is he gonna hear your cry? How much more does he care about you? How much more is he going to do right and bring justice in our lives? How much more is he going to do than what this unrighteous judge would do? Prioritizing prayer means that we are persistent in our petition. means, God, I'm going to keep trusting in you. I'm going to keep deepening my dependence on you through regularly asking you and talking to you about these things. Some people think that God just gets tired of us talking about the same things over and over again. Can I tell you that Scripture tells us otherwise? Scripture actually tells us it does something in us. It actually is building faith in us. And it helps us to deepen our dependence by saying, God, I need you. God, I still need you. God, I still need you. And I'm trusting you for this because I know you're good. And I know that you're just. And I'm going to trust in your will. But I'm going to keep asking because I know who you are. And when I do that, what does it do? It starts just helping my faith to grow, helping me to trust God more, helping me to become more solid. Even when things don't work out the way that I would have hoped, or even the way that I had asked for them to work out, I can still rest and trust in the goodness of God. And how many times have you been able to look back in your life and see there have been years that perhaps had passed and you didn't realize that God had answered a prayer That you had prayed a long time ago in a way that maybe you would have never put that thing together. The way you never, it wouldn't have been the way you would have put the story together. But God, through his grace, did something through that thing. Maybe even through that thing that you thought was going to destroy you or take you out. Or that you were never going to be able to recover from. Or whatever the case may be. And God has used that in such a powerful way and where he's used it for his glory. And now how many people have been helped because of what God has done. And even in his delaying relief from you, where we want just instant relief, right? I don't know about you, but when I pray, that's what I want, right? (laughs) But even when I don't get the instant relief from whatever situation, or I don't get the immediate solution, I can look back and see how God has still worked and he's always been faithful through and through. When I was a teenager, I worked in uh, grocery stores and I'll never forget the first job that I ever had. I was, uh, you know, a grocery bagger and I made $4.15 an hour and I didn't have much money. But what little I had, I spent on video games and that's where my money went. As soon as I would get a paycheck, the uh, first place I would go would be to the store, go to the electronics department and that game that I had my eye on. And that's where my money went. Um, when I was a teenager. And I would have maybe a little bit left over to go to the movies or to go hang out with my friends. And then when I got older and I got a girlfriend, that's where all my money went. Um, and so <laughs> But you know, when I was just starting out working, I'll never forget that in the town I lived in at the time, that there was this dairy queen that opened up, and we were really excited because I grew up in a small town. And it was a big deal to get a Dairy Queen. And we're like, oh my gosh, we finally got a Dairy Queen. And I was so excited that I was gonna take my buddy James and we were gonna go get ice cream. And I had just enough money left because I would blown all my money from my paycheck. um, And I was gonna use what little money I had left to buy me, uh, James and I some ice cream. So we go to the Dairy Queen and we're in line and there's this man and his daughter that are ahead of me. And this man and his daughter were there and... And uh, there's just something that came all over me. And I felt like in that moment that I was supposed to buy that man and his daughter their ice cream. Our pastor had been telling us to uh, grow in sensitivity towards the leading of the Lord by when you're in those moments and asking for those moments for God to like, lead you in those things. And then you just need to obey and say yes. So I had gotten in the habit and so had my friend James. We were praying and saying, God, will you, will you help us to realize those moments where we need to you know be obedient and do what you're telling us to do and I felt like this was one of those moments so I felt like I was like having a prayer answered in this moment by this opportunity I didn't know why God put that on my heart to buy this person ice cream and I didn't know what the person was going to say I was sitting there trying to think about what all to say what do I do and I'm standing up here before you, and I'd love to tell you a great ending to the story about, I bought the ice cream, they, they hugged me, cried, they got saved, a revival broke out in Dairy Queen, <laughs> sprinkles were everywhere, um, you know, but that didn't happen. I, I didn't buy the ice cream. And I didn't buy the ice cream, and I felt awful because I bought James and I ice cream, and I felt like this, this like, ugh. The whole time I was eating something that I was excited to do. Now I was feeling like, man, I I disobeyed God. Have you ever had that feeling before where you disobeyed God and you knew it? This was one of those moments for me. But thank God that we serve a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. Amen. And so just because you miss it one time or just because you don't do it right one time or just because maybe you miss that opportunity doesn't mean you're never getting another opportunity again. Fast forward probably about 15 years or so, maybe not quite that long. I was married at the time, had three kids and they were all babies and we were really poor, really struggling. And uh, my wife and I lived in Texas and um, we were planting a church there. And uh, man, we were just barely scraping to get by and for us to go out to eat, you know, was a pretty big deal. And so I had a little bit of cash in my pocket from a job that I had gotten. And uh, I was gonna take my family out to eat, and we were gonna go to Taco Bueno. Okay, um, if you guys know anything about Taco Bueno, um, it was awesome back in the day. It's not anymore. But anyways, <clears throat> I'm sorry if you own a Taco Bueno and you go to this church. Um, <laughs> but it, it it was it was like something we were excited about, and I had you know just enough money to get my family and I the things we wanted, and. Here we are in line and there's this big family ahead of us. Um, And the Lord put it on my heart to buy their lunch. And I'm like going, oh man. Um, And here I am thinking, oh, I gotta buy these people their lunch And, and, and I knew it was the Lord. Like I knew the difference between me just being compassionate and it didn't even look like these people couldn't afford it. It wasn't like they looked poor or anything. It, it, they were a large family, and, and I knew it was God putting it on my heart to buy their lunch. And then, like, more of them started, like, showing up and, like, coming out of the bathroom and stuff. And I'm, like, going, good grief, how many kids do you have? And, like, they kept coming, and the order kept getting bigger and bigger. And I'm, like, oh, man. Like, and I felt that I was supposed to do this, like, before I saw how many people this dude had with him. And so I tapped him on the shoulder right before he was about to pay. I mean, it went all the way to the last minute. I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, excuse me, sir. And this is how I let off. I said, I'm not crazy. Like That's the very first thing that I said to him. Excuse me, sir. I'm not crazy. Um, Which just, you know, when people say that and it's the first thing they say, your natural thought is they probably are. Um, I'm not crazy. I told him, I said, but God told me to buy you and your family's meal. And he looks at me and he says, okay. And he steps back away from the cash register. And he doesn't even say it weird, like, okay. He just says, okay. Like, he's just like a statue and he just steps away. I thought we were going to like have a Hallmark moment there, you know, like where he's going to like hug me. Thank you, brother. That's such a blessing you know, or he wanted to get, you know, give his life to Jesus right there in that moment. But no, this guy just says, okay. And I'm going, oh man, didn't even thank me for it. And I'm like paying for his food and wanting my Hallmark moment and it just didn't happen. And he gets the food and goes, sits down. And I'm like, well, that was weird. And, um, but I knew I'd done the right thing. Like I had this peace in my heart, like I'd done the right thing. And then whatever cash I had left, I said, all right. And I showed my wife, this is how much I've got left over. So we had to modify our order because I didn't have the money that I thought I was going to have because God told me to buy these people's lunch. And so <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I spent whatever little cash I had left on my family. And then we go and we sit down. And as we're eating our food, we're about halfway done. The man comes over to me and he taps me on the shoulder while I'm eating. The guy that I bought the food for with his family. And he said, hi, he introduced himself. He said, I just want to let you know. He said that we moved here to this area not too long ago. And we've been really struggling with the fact that we moved here because we were wondering if we made a mistake or not. He said, I'm actually a worship pastor at another church in town. I didn't know this. He didn't know I was a pastor. I didn't know he was a pastor. He said, my wife and I have been praying, God, we need you to let us know that we're where we're supposed to be because we have really been struggling with this move and our kids are having a hard time and we're having a hard time and we just don't know, did, did we miss it? He said, and when you bought our meal and you said, God told you to do that. He said, I went back to my wife and I've been having a conversation and we believe this was just a nudge from God saying, hey, you're in the right place. Keep doing what you're doing. He said, so thank you for being obedient to the Lord. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you clap, but that wasn't what I was thinking at the time. Um, And I was like, oh, wow, you just never know. And in that moment, you want to know what came back to me? 15-year-old Derek, standing in line at Dairy Queen with his friend James. And he didn't do the right thing at the time that he felt God leading him to do. But then God gave me another chance. And I felt like this was like a restoration moment for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense? That now it's like, God's like, because that was the first thing that came back to my mind. And I felt like the Lord was just showing me that man and his daughter. And I could see him as clear as day. And I was like, wow, thank you, God, for being so gracious with me, for being the God of second chances. Thank you that I just didn't miss that and just miss out completely. And God just stopped speaking to me, going, well, he's not going to (laughs) listen. And then I get up to go throw away my trash. And I get up and I go over by the trash can. I take my tray and I throw everything in the garbage. And there was a lady who worked for the post office and she had a bag of food and she comes up to me and she, she says, sir, she said, I ha, I'm gonna be late for work. I've gotta get back. I didn't realize, I didn't have enough time to eat all this. She said, I'm only gonna grab a couple of these tacos. I ordered way too much food. Do you want the rest of this? I haven't opened it, you can have it. And I was like, yeah, sure. So God even gave me like even more. And here I had to shortchange my family and God's like even going, boom, little bonus from Jesus, you know? And I'm like... That was just so crazy. And I'll never forget that moment because as we go through these times in life, God's leading us and God's wanting us to trust him. He's wanting us to deepen our dependence on him and we grow. And as we grow, we begin to recognize the voice of God and we can begin to say yes to those things. We begin to walk in faith and be those people of God and be those lights that he's called us to be, amen? But it takes us deepening our trust, it takes us deepening our dependence, it takes us knowing his voice and you don't know what the outcome is gonna be. You don't know how someone's gonna respond, you don't know what the situation may be. You may not even know why God's putting it on your heart to pray for someone or to pray about something. But it's your job to be obedient and to be a doer of that, not just someone who talks about prayer and learns about prayer, but someone who actually lives out prayer, amen? And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Go to the store. What are you doing? Why don't you have bread in your house for your buddy? No. He says, Don't bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise up and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here Jesus is talking about prayer to his disciples and he teaches them how to pray and then he teaches them about the heart of God. He lets them know that the heart of God is like a friend who maybe he's at the last minute not ready you know for something and he's asking his friend hey I need to borrow some bread and he keeps asking and it's his friend and so God is that friend. He's that one who hears and who supplies your need even at that last minute. He's that good father who gives good gifts to his children. He's showing us a part of the heart and the character of the father. So when we pray, we can be confident knowing the God that we're asking, knowing that he's good. And so Jesus is encouraging us to ask the father. And we can say, Lord, we we need your Holy Spirit. And as you ask, he said, how much more will he give you that? Isn't that even, even better for you to receive? than anything else you could get. You see, as we see the the link between persistence and faith, we see this link between prayer and persistence. Jesus is teaching us the heart of God. And there's a lot of hindrances that we have to being persistent, to being faithful, to being people who are praying and overcoming hindrances. It starts with the direction of your affection and you know that it's true because it rhymes we overcome those hindrances by starting with the direction of our affection so that means that where is my heart being directed where's where's my affections where are they at are my affections being set on god and towards god or are they being set on things or are they being set on Um, selfishness are they being set on myself or me just getting my way if my affection is set on him then it will influence and affect my prayer life and help me to overcome these hindrances so many people struggle with prayer because they're too worried about what other people think the direction of their affection is messed up they're more concerned about what other people think than they are about talking to God as a matter of fact, I, I still struggle with this today. I'm just gonna be real honest with you. I still, as a pastor, I struggle with this because sometimes when I get up to pray, I forget who I'm talking to because sometimes I repreach my sermons when I pray and I'm talking to you instead of talking to God, like, Lord, thank you for the BCC. Big idea today, Lord, and just say yeah. And I'm like, am I talking to God or am I talking to these people? Just because I have my head bowed and my eyes closed doesn't mean the direction of my affection is, uh, is pointed appropriately. And I have to stop myself because sometimes you'll pray for other people and you're actually praying so that they can hear you. So you can like give them some instructions, you know, because they need to listen. Lord, I pray you help my children behave today, Lord. I pray you help them to have good attitudes and to love each other. And I pray that you would help them just to obey and to do their chores. Lord, help them. Give them, give them, give them Lord, the priority to be obedient as you have called us to be obedient. You ain't praying to God. You're trying to tell your kids to clean their room through your prayer. And hoping they hear you. It's that kind of stuff. And I do that, man. And and sometimes it's hard because I'm like, am I talking to people or am I talking to God? And I have to stop myself. I do that when I'm leading worship. Sometimes I'm singing. I'm like, Am I singing a song or am I actually worshiping God? And I have to like check myself. I have to check my heart. I think all of us need to check our heart and check ourselves. Amen? Amen. And we need to go, wait a minute. Hold on. I need to pump the brakes on this deal. Am I actually talking to God? Because if I'm talking to God, I'm not going to be worried about you. I'm not going to be, if I'm singing and worshiping God, I'm not going to be worried about you, right? But if I'm worried about what you think, then my affection is, it's, uh, it's being divided between God and between other people. And it seems like I keep going back and forth, back and forth. No, no, no. I need to set my affection on him. And the best way I know to do that is just through praising God and thanking him for what he's done. Just thanking him for how big he is, how great he is, how faithful he's been to, to us. Thanking him for sending Jesus as the savior. And as I thank him, it begins to stir my affections and I can begin to make sure that I take that first step in overcoming those awkward hindrances. So who are you trying to impress when you're praying? If you're trying to impress man, you've got a 50 50 shot. Somebody might say, wow, that was a good prayer. Is that why you did it? So someone would say, wow, that was a good prayer? Or are you doing it because you're actually talking to God? are you actually praying because you're talking to him? So here's a list I'm going to give you of some practical things that I hope helps you. And I don't know where you're at on this spectrum of, of having a strong prayer life or a weak prayer life. It doesn't matter. There's no judgment or condemnation here around that. Wherever you're at, my hope and my desire is that you would take maybe one or two of these things and begin to put them into practice as you understand the why of prayer. So here's the list, you ready? Number one, I wanna challenge you to pray out loud when you're alone. Some of you, it freaks you out to pray alone. It freaks you out because you're like, oh my goodness, what do I do? Like, uh, what do I say? Just talk to God conversationally, not like you're addressing uh, not like you're writing an email to your boss you know like like I want you to like pray like you're having a conversation just talk to him and guess what God is not impressed with the words that you use he doesn't go oh wow they used a really spiritual word that's a good one. Oh boy I better God's ears don't perk up when you say certain you know spiritual words you know and certain things that you've learned in the Bible or if you, you know, learned a few Greek or Hebrew words, ooh, uh, his ears really perk up because for some reason we're impressed with those two languages. Um, <laughs> pray out loud when you're alone. That's a great place to start to overcome some hurdles because I believe there is something to praying out loud. It keeps us um, humble, helps us to grow past some fear and some hurdles in our lives. And I would encourage you to start with simple situations. Just simple situations. If you've never prayed before, if you're you're new to trying to get that muscle of prayer working, start with simple situations. Thank God for the day. God, I want to thank you for the day. Help me to just be able to walk through this day in a way that will please you. The interactions that I have with the people I meet. Let me be mindful of what you have in store for me today to do, that I can do it to bring you glory, pray for simple things, pray for protection for your family. God, I ask that you would watch over my family today. You'd keep my wife and my children safe and help them to be people who can be light bringers and who can be lights of the gospel no matter where they may be and who they may talk to and what situation they may find themselves in. Start with simple things, everyday things and talk to God about those things and just talk to him, Lord, I, I need you. That's what you're saying. I'm deepening my dependence. I, I need you. I, I, I'm acknowledging my need for you. Number three, want gonna take a lot of pressure off of some of you. If you're just starting in your prayer life, it's okay. It's okay to keep it short. It's okay. God doesn't go, wow, he's been going for a good 45 minutes. Whew. Wonder how long he's gonna keep going. God is not impressed because you can ramble. Now, there is definitely a gift and a passion to pray for long periods of time and intercession. There's nothing wrong with that. That, That's a great thing to do, but it's not more powerful in the eyes of God than a sincere prayer of someone crying out to Him, amen? I mean, if if your child needs you and they cry out, Daddy, I need you, you're not gonna go, you gotta use more words. I'm not very (laughs) impressed with you needing me. What are you trying to gauge when a child says they need you? You're trying to gauge whether or not they actually realize that they need you because sometimes they need you to tell them where the remote is. And then sometimes they need you because they fell off their bike. There's a completely different response, right? And God is a father. And when when we say, God, I need you. I mean, it doesn't have to be this big long thing. Don't put that pressure on yourself. I wanna encourage you. Um, The fourth thing would be to write your thoughts to God down. Write your thoughts to God down. I mean, just write those things down. If you're having a hard time um, saying things to God, write it down, write your thoughts to God down and then read it out loud. Maybe that would be a good place for you to start. Maybe that'd be something simple for you to do that would just help you to go, oh, that's how I talk to God. Just read it like, like, like you're reading a letter to someone you love and just write that to God and pour out your heart and then just read it to him. And let that be a way you help exercise that muscle of prayer. Uh, the fifth thing, and this is going to set some of you free, use everyday language. God is not impressed that you put a th on the end of everything. Oh, Lord, if I cometh thou to thee today in thine holy presence to ask thee. To, you know, God doesn't go, oh, wow, because Jesus didn't talk that way. I know that's how he talked on the movies back in the 70s in the Jesus film. But that's not how he actually talks. Jesus speaks all sorts of different languages from all sorts of different regions. All sorts of dialects. He understands people from Arkansas. <laughs> right? And he, he knows. So, so don't, don't limit God to trying to impress him with the words that you use, you know. You don't have to pray, you know, the... God, I thank you. Jesus is the propitiation for my sin. You know, it's like, what What are you doing? Just say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. If that's where you're at, talk to him that way. Start where you're at. Are you hearing me this morning? Wherever you're at, just start somewhere. I don't want you to be intimidated by other people who've been praying longer. You know why people um, can, can pray in certain ways that may make you go, wow, I'll tell you why. Because they know the Lord. There's a difference Then there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. I can read the Bible and know a lot about God, but do I actually know him? That's a big difference, folks. I can, sit, I can stand up here and tell you all sorts of statistics about uh, star athletes. My favorite basketball player, for example, is Giannis Antetokounmpo. He plays for the Milwaukee Bucks, and I can tell you his height. I can tell you his shoe size. I can tell you his average of his points per game. But if I were to walk up to him and go, hey, Giannis, and give him a big hug, somebody would yell, security. <laughs> I know all sorts of facts and figures about him, but I don't know him personally. We don't hang out. It would be awesome, but we don't. <laughs> We don't know each other, so I can speak about him, but I don't know him. A lot of people can speak about God, but do you really know him? You see, as you begin to develop that muscle of prayer, as you begin to deepen your dependence on God through prayer, you talk to him more, you get to know him more, you get to know who he is. And the more you know who he is, the more confidently that you pray, because you know the one you're talking to. And you gotta start somewhere. Don't be intimidated by where other people are. Number six, this is an easy one. Just pray over your meals. Maybe you don't. Where do I start? What do I pray for? Pray over your meal. God, thank you for this food and thank you for the people that are gathered around this table. Pray you bless our conversation and bless this meal. Amen. Just start somewhere. Pray before bed. Pray with your kids. Pray with your grandchildren. Pray together. That's something our, our family has has done for a very long time. And we don't, we're not perfect. We don't do it every single night, but we've made more nights than we've missed for sure, where we pray together. And we try to give our kids opportunity to pray. Because as you pray, you're modeling prayer for them when you pray out loud, you're teaching them how to talk to God and then give them a shot. Say, hey, why don't you pray for this situation? Especially if it's someone or something they care about a lot. Say, well, do you just wanna pray and ask God to help that person or whatever the case may be? Just give them an opportunity. Don't sit there and critique and judge them, just let them pray, let them share their heart to God. They're not praying to you for your approval, they're praying to God, teach them to talk to God. And you talk to God like you know who he is. One of the safest places I think that you have in this church family to grow in prayer, if you're new to growing in prayer, should be in a connection group. In a connection group, you should should be surrounded by people who love you and care about you and who are for you and for your spiritual growth journey and maybe it's time for you to have the courage to say, hey, guys, can I pray to close out our time together tonight? Or, if you know, the leader says, hey, who would like to pray? And you're always the one that's like, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. You know, maybe you volunteer and say, hey, I, I, Pastor challenged us to grow in prayer. And you know what? I'm really uncomfortable doing this, but are you guys cool with me doing it? I, I want to step out there and do it. Have the courage to do that. I want to exhort you to do that. Church, I want to challenge you to do that. Whatever the case may be, uh, we have a really good, faithful group of people that show up every Thursday at 8.30. You're welcome to join us here in the building or online. We have about, between online and in the room, we have about 20, 30 people who are praying for our prayer requests that come in every single week. We have someone who's praying during the service, one of our prayer warriors, every single week. We have people after every service who are available up at the front to be able to pray with you every single week. We wanna be a church that is deepening our dependence on God who is a church who is praying, amen? And if we all will agree that prayer is a priority and it's important, and we will all make an effort to overcome these obstacles and begin to pray and pray regularly, watch what God does in this church. Watch what God does in your family. Watch what God does that you could have never done, that we could have never come up with a great strategy or a great idea or a great initiative to do, but watch what God does when his people will unite and pray together. Amen? Amen? Watch what God will do. And I believe that God has great things in store for our church family, and I'm excited to see what those things are gonna be, but it's not gonna come from us depending on ourselves. It's not gonna come from us. It's gonna come from our dependence on God and Him moving because it's His church, amen? This is His church. It's not my church. It's not any one individual's church. It's God's church and we need to pray and act like we need Him because we do. So Lord, help us do this as we declare our dependence on you. Help us to humble ourselves before you may we exercise that muscle of prayer corporately together this next week. Maybe if someone begins praying out loud or someone begins taking a step of faith and actually trying this prayer thing, maybe they just haven't done that before, or maybe they've gotten out of the habit and they've let busyness of life get in the way. I pray you help us, God. Help all of us. Help me to grow in prayer. Help our families to grow in prayer. And may we deepen our dependence together in Jesus' name. Amen.